you are basically with awareness setting up a very large funnel. And the risk with that is that you have a lot of people that are not so relevant to you. And the brand is actually the filter or the gate for people to understand if it's an interesting funnel for them or not. It's absolutely fundamental to be able to state your purpose in a vision statement, a one-liner statement, in a paragraph statement, in a one-pager, and in an essay. The work that we do, the focus that we have, is on eliminating and avoiding emissions rather than compensating them. This has a lot of scientific implication, a lot of methodological implications, but we make that clear at this stage. We're not trying to display science because it's part of our brand. We're actually doing science stuff. The brand flows from these activities. It's not the other way around. So how do you make sure that your brand is relevant to this stage? Is by making... Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to Mission First, the podcast to learn from successful entrepreneurs changing the world for the better. In this podcast, you will learn from entrepreneurs who have already found product market fit and are scaling up fast. We discuss their challenges and the strategies they have applied to make things work. Think of it as a masterclass about business and product innovation, growth marketing, and leadership. I am Gilles Toussaint. I help mission-driven companies exceed their revenue objectives with growth marketing, product-led growth, and LinkedIn personal branding strategies. Branding and sustainability are two trendy words in this climate change and innovation era. But it's one thing to build a brand on paper, and it's another thing to integrate branding as part of the whole company and the whole customer journey and to do that without greenwashing. Today, I feel extremely lucky to welcome Nathan Boniso, co-founder of Plan A. Every company in the world needs to decrease the carbon footprint and the negative impact on the planet. But it's not an easy thing to do. That's why Plan A is here. Plan A helps foster sustainable transition in the business world. More than 1,500 companies trust them to decarbonize their business, with clients such as BMW, Deutsche Bank, Visa, Personio, or KFC. They've raised $27 million this year. In the episode 3 of Mission First, I interviewed the CEO Lubomila Jordanova. It was a very insightful episode. And today, three years later, we're going to talk about branding with Nathan. In particular, about these three topics that all green tech and sustainability-driven companies of this world should know about. How to build a sustainable brand without greenwashing. How to integrate branding as part of the whole company, including how to make science as part of the brand. And how the brand can be useful through the entire funnel of customer acquisition and products. Nathan, I'm very happy to welcome you today. How are you? Hi, Gilles. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing very, very good today. It's an exciting day at Plan A. We're doing uh, lots of strategy workshops on understanding how to best spend that funding that we have received. Lubomila Jordanova, one of your co-founders, I had the chance to interview her back in 2020 and Plan A was done in 2017. And since then, Plan A has been like a super inspiring company for me to follow. And uh, I mean, you've been growing like crazy. So can you tell us a bit right now, what are the numbers in terms of impact, revenue, and team size since the last time I talked to Lubomila in, in 2020? Thanks for your renewed trust. We have been growing indeed very quickly uh, since 2017 is the day that we founded the company, the year that we founded the company, 2020 
uh, we were already when well underway uh, in developing our product. The um, reality is that we are at the beginning of this growth journey. And we have been, as you said, working with more than 1,500 different companies that come from multiple verticals. We work with uh, now the fashion industry uh, pretty closely. We work with fleet management. We, watch, we, we work with banking and, and many other aspects of the economic world, of the business world at large that allow us to grow uh, our impact. The ultimate goal for us uh, is to get carbon emissions first, other impacts uh, after under management, uh, which is to say to be able to count it, quantify it, and eliminate and reduce it. Um, we are on the way to get to one gigaton uh, of carbon um, under management. Uh, we're not exactly there yet, but uh, we're uh, making our way and we're on time actually to get there by 2025. Uh, and maybe the last point that I want to make uh, around our impact and the growth of our impact is that Plan A uh, is also trying to decarbonize itself. And the journey of self-decarbonization and the journey of sustainability within the boundaries of the uh, company has been absolutely pivotal so far and will be even more in the future to the brand of Planet and to who we are as a company. How big are you in terms of uh, team size? We're now uh, 150 full-time employees. Uh, we are uh, We have three permanent offices, uh, Berlin, Paris, and London. We have, of course, people working uh, remotely uh, in, in many more countries. Uh, so 150 full-time employees, uh, 1,500 clients, as I said, uh, and $27 million uh, in funding that uh, should more or less situate your, our, our stage of growth for the time being. In terms of funding, I know it's a hard time for a lot of companies in the world at the moment. Could you tell me a bit, you know, which context do I need, do we need to be aware of about you to understand where you are at right now, you know, going back to anything like your childhood, your past experience, your career, what explains how you are right now at such a position with such a high commitment to change the world for the better is plan A. Well, to give you the context about myself, I think what's important to, to understand specifically about me uh, and a uh, thing that will motivate and shed some light around why I chose uh, to work in impact and why I chose specifically to work on impact, starting a company that works on carbon accounting and decarbonization, uh, you have to understand that I come from a, a very political in background and not activism, but actual political sciences. So from the very earliest days of my uh, upbringing, uh, all the way to my uh, today's years, I've been uh, fed a lot of information around a lot of geopolitical topics, uh, but also social topics and uh, ultimately climate change. Uh, my early professional days were guided by how to create the Venn diagram between what I'm good at, what I love doing, and uh, what is going to uh, bring bring me a career or ensure that I will be uh, safe at a certain economic level and clear out uh, the first and second stages of the Maslow's pyramid. So working on this uh, diagram essentially has been, has taught me uh, that my skills would be best used to communicate impact causes. So how how is it that the most important causes today are probably the ones that are the least funded? How is it that uh, you know certain companies that work on on secondary needs 
are much better funded than some that work on very fundamental needs. These are some of the guiding questions that I was working with uh, in my earlier in the earlier days of my career, and that I grappled with for some times. And I was able to understand about myself that I'm able to empathize, understand what needs to be said, and empathize and under understand what needs to be communicated using this skill set. Uh, and then choosing, if you will, the most important cause or the most important topic uh, of our times, which is, according to me, climate change, those two um, di directions, if you will, collided together uh, to create Plan A or to create uh, my, uh, my uh, needs to begin an adventure that would be a private company adventure in order to fix one of the biggest causes of this. And that is why I also started focusing uh, specifically on communications, specifically on uh, different aspects of marketing, uh, and also by extensions, of course, learning how to communicate sustainability and learning how to avoid uh, some of the common or less common mistakes that uh, a company can make when they start to communicate about their impact or when they want to make a difference, when they want to influence a group of people, but don't necessarily know how to do it. That was a very long uh, introduction or circumvoluted uh, road uh, to, to my arrival as a co-founder of Plan A and then the roles I have taken on within Plan A. Uh, but I hope that helps a little bit understand uh, where I'm going to be coming from when I talk about these. You are talking exactly about the roles you are taking at Plan A. So can you explain us a bit how you met Lubomila, who started this project on her own at the very beginning, and how that evolved from meeting her, working with her, becoming CMO, and then becoming co-founder. I've known Lubomila for uh, quite a while now. Uh, as I said, we founded the company in 2017. We, we go back a little bit uh, before that, a few years before this. And the, the, the first steps of the collaboration of our journey together were very organic and very uh, natural. We uh, have always uh, felt a very close alignment on the diagnosis that we have uh, on climate change and the prognosis, the solutions that we want to propose uh, to bring uh, this, these issues to an end, uh, or at least to mitigate them. So uh, this, these were the very first steps. And the first communications we've had around Plan A and around developing a specific organization, a specific project that would help us address climate change and that would help us channel uh, funds in the right places of climate change. This has always been the red thread of the various avatars of Plan A. Um, and then the distribution of tasks uh, really uh, happens in first uh, skill set based uh, kind of situation where uh, there are so many missions to do at the beginning of a business that. Uh, at the end of the day, you don't take one role, you take multiple roles. So I started, uh, the very first thing we started with uh, Plan A and down the line, it's a very big element of pride, is the Plan A Academy. So we wanted to really start on the education chapter. And so we started an academy that is still to this day uh, in existence and that is uh, a collection of 250 plus articles on uh, sustainability, corporate sustainability, climate change, uh, events, uh, news and recaps. So lots of different topics around how to become sustainable as a society and as a global economy and as a specific business. So we started that, right? Uh, that's what I started with, uh, developing this uh, aspect of planning, developing the content 
you mentioned LinkedIn. We've been present, but also other channels experimenting with a lot of these things. Uh, so that was the, the, you know, the first activities that I've done. And as I said, I had always uh, focused at the, at these earlier stage of my careers on communicating impacts. So this is what I uh, did for, for, for a lot. And this is where I honed once we started hiring uh, more skilled people in different uh, spaces of the company for different roles and to fill different missions. This uh, evolved into, uh, you know, as you mentioned, marketing at large, communications at large. Uh, again, not forgetting that there were lots of other topics that we had to uh, to work with. You know, there was once a time where uh, we had to work on the product, where we had to work on customer success, where we had to work on commercial strategy. And I can keep going for, for a while, but uh, the more your company grows, uh, and the more the relationship evolves also uh, with your co-founders, the more uh, you find specific uh, things that you want to be contributing to and that you really want to focus uh, some of your efforts in without losing, of course, the, uh, the, 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 the top eye view, the, the most open view that you can have uh, on your own internal company. Uh, today, I'm uh, to give you an example. We have a VP of marketing that will be joining, and that is uh, really awesome because now I'm going to be able to uh, focus on different uh, topics such as sustainability as planet, as we mentioned, or a specific aspect of branding that we need to dig in, uh, or specific uh, problems to be solved or jobs to be done that we might have uh, coming up in the company. So, if I sum it up uh, very quickly, the first steps were really organic. Uh, in terms of where are you good and what can you do and how uh, how much time have you got on your hands to solve how many things. Uh, and then it becomes more and more strategic, more and more uh, proactive thinking of how you can evolve with the company and what are the needs of the company because at the end of the day, that uh, tops every other aspects of this decision. It's good that you gave a good context of you know what you're doing at Plan A. Let's talk about the first part. How have you built a sustainable brand without greenwashing? It's a vast question, uh, but I'm happy to maybe discuss some of the some of the principles that we have followed uh, in order to build this brand. The first one is uh, really the tenet that brand starts at the within the company. I have never really seen a marketer design a campaign or a post or whatever marketing activity in contrary or against uh, you know the core values of a business or uh, the, the core activities of a business and that I think is really important maybe sounds obvious it's not so clear that branding activities marketing activities communications activities don't start with communicating on the outside it starts by actually understanding uh, what your core is, who you want to be, and how you want to be perceived. Um, it's the Nietzschean uh, ego, if you will. That's the first really important bit. And whatever flows out of your organization needs to be in sync with, with what is within. That, I think, is the very first uh, very important point, is that you, you, you build a system that is coherent within, starts within, and that is coherent on the outside with what you are trying to on the inside. That puts a lot of pressure on businesses that are, for instance, forced uh, to do client, to do uh, carbon accounting uh, due to regulations, for instance. It, they are on a reactive basis, and therefore it, it's hard for them to 
reconcile uh, these aspects of communication with their with their core mission, for instance, uh, or with their core activities. If you think about businesses that, for example, uh, by definition, emit a lot of carbon. Fashion, for instance, has inherent uh, problems within the industry and a sustainable fashion business is in need of recognizing this and is in need of understanding uh, how this paradox is reconciled within its the boundaries of this company. Are you going to change your fabric? Are you going to discontinue certain uh, makes and models uh, as some uh, famous businesses did uh, in, in that space? This is uh, the questions that one needs to ask. The second, I think, really important uh, tenet is that the, the, the brand and the message and the feeling that you exude as, as a company uh, is in very large part due to the team that you build. So you set some guidelines and you, uh, as the company grows, as our company grows, we hire more and more team members uh, spread across more locations, doing more and more specialized activities. And the culture aspect of that hiring and making sure that every, literally every team member has uh, you know, can get behind the message that you're writing, can understand what you're trying to say and and in our specific impact world uh, agrees to some extent with your theory of change so that they can then be the messenger and that they can then be the ambassadors of what you're trying to say. This is an absolutely core uh, also uh, or pivotal activity that you need to take uh, understand under the prism of branding. Hey, just a 10 second break to tell you. I just released a free video presentation to explain the three key strategies I use to get 7,500 change makers to follow me on LinkedIn and to reach more than 1 million people this year with my posts. It's free. Just follow the link in the description to download it. So those are two really, I think, important parts, which is uh, working your messaging within the core, making sure that the people that are working uh, towards these activities, towards this goal, uh, are behind this and can communicate and understand it very clearly. You can look at how Plan A uh, co communicates on LinkedIn. Uh, you mentioned LinkedIn briefly. Uh, my co-founder, Lou Bermuda, is a, a thought leader on this space. And she has uh, also inspired a lot of the team members to also uh, develop their thought leadership in their specific role. We have team members that are speaking at coding conferences, green coding conferences, uh, or, or that are discussing their specific um, areas of, of focus in the context of sustainability, of course. So adding this, this human layer to what the messaging is and giving people the tool to actually do this and helping them on uh, the channels where they can uh, communicate, this is absolutely key to me. And I'll give you one last uh, part to this answer, uh, or one last part of my answer is uh, transparency is a tool to allow external stakeholders to verify your commitments. And if you don't give that tool to the people that you are trying to communicate with, uh, all of a sudden, this becomes very complicated for people to trust you. And uh, that is how we take transparency. It's not just because people need to know the numbers. Yes, of course, uh, this is a good thing to do. 
but the transparency needs to be coupled with uh, the tools for people to check and the tools for people to understand what your uh, what your activities have been and and how are you actually being coherent inside and outside of of what you're doing and with your even mission and raison d'être and uh, overall vision. So this is uh, a few uh, aspects of of the ways in which we have built our brand and the way in which we have been. Uh, endeavoring to be respectful of sustainability and to be respectful of of the state of advancement of where we are, um, and and the way to be truthful with with our audiences, the customers, uh, the the people that are not our customers that but that are interested in our educational material, for instance, uh, and other commentators uh, or internal stakeholders that we have. So starting at the core, growing a brand as a team, and transparency. I have a few questions regarding these three. Um, first of all, if you have to start building a brand in terms of uh, workshops, brand is usually what people say about you or your company or yourself when you're not in the room. So it usually comes with certain values. Or what are core workshops and framework that you always run when you want to build your brand? You know, are you talking about brand archetypes? How do you communicate that to the team? Is it part of the onboarding process every time? If you start a new company tomorrow, what are the work- workshops you're going to run to define your brand? And then what are the steps you're going to start setting up to make sure your team gets it? So I have two ways of answering this. One way to answer this is that you, I think as a marketer and as a brand, but also as a co-founder and as someone who uh, is interested in, in getting better overall, you have to be playful with the different tools that you have. And by tools here, I mean uh, Miro and and other tools, but I also mean the different types of ways that you can get to your brand. Uh, there's the, the the why, what, how uh, workshop. This not the one that is my that my favorite. Uh, there is the mountain of tomorrow. There is the, uh, you know, Heisenhower matrix. All of these are different exercises, mind exercise, Venn diagrams, and Venn, uh, mind exercises that you can do and to help you visualize and express your brand in a certain way. Um, so I, I think having this flexibility to understand what the context requires and who needs to input. So are, are you a five-person company where everyone can be in the room? Are you already a 200-something people company where uh, this cannot you know, be a, a, a completely open and uh, fully everyone's in the room process. So you need to understand where you're picking up this this uh, this this train or when you're getting on this bus, because that influences, I think, a lot of the ways you're going to need to gather the input that you are going to need in order to phrase things uh, in a way that is understandable. And that takes me to the second way of answering the question, which is maybe a little bit more practical. Um, I think it's absolutely fundamental to be able to state uh, your purpose in a a vision statement, a one-liner statement, in a paragraph statement, in a one-pager, and in an essay. And this, for me, is the exercise that really uh, shows that the brand is um, uh, crisp enough that you are able to in so few words, capture all of the different aspects that make the essence. It's like building a perfume, if I can make this metaphor. Uh, what are all, like, is in that tagline all of the very subtle elements that you're trying to say? And have you thought specifically of each word, uh, you know, and what are the all of the meanings that it has? And can you boil it down to this? 
all the way to are you able, is your brand so deep and integrated that you are able to write a 5,000 word, uh, you know, uh, essay can be more, can be less, obviously about the way that this brand expresses itself and what it means for the goals that you have, what it means for the means that you're going to use for the goals that you have and, and what it's going to mean in the ways that you're going to work. So I, I think having these uh, different ways of zooming in and zooming out uh, and going into depth and you know uh, seeing something from a distance and still understanding the essence of the brand, this is my... Uh, I think verification exercise that that I do. Um, to your point about the team, uh, as you know, I started by I started uh, this part by saying that the team that you build is the team that uh, will communicate your brand and that will define it to a, to a large extent. And so, I, the the you know the corollary to this is that you need to capture the feedback from your team. And you need to be able to uh, make the brand not a rigid construct uh, with, you know, very hard things to do, but more a playground for people to operate in. And so by making sure that the team understands, but also is behind the values, understanding if they feel good about uh, asking uh, things about the brand or if they need to understand specific uh, aspects of the brand, uh, also, seeing uh, team members adding certain details to your brand that you know uh, I didn't do, for instance. Like uh, what, for example? Well, um, you know, if I told you all of the Easter eggs that we that we leave, it wouldn't be fun anymore. But uh, you know, I'll just give you an example. Last year, uh, one of our team members uh, built a landing page for uh, a partnership that we had, and, and you know, at the very bottom. Uh, you know, written in a hexacode that corresponds to, uh, you know, the number of particles uh, of CO2 in the air is written like, you know, made with care by planning, for instance. And, and this is a, a little message. And where does it correspond to the brand? It's because we are, are, are very caring, we're very respectful, and we're very scientific. These are three aspects of our brand and our tone of voice. And, and this little, you know, it's a little detail. Uh, I'm not. Sh I'm not sure who saw it, uh, and I don't even, you know, want to want to check. But this is what makes the depth of that brand, right? You know, if you have like uh, integrated details in the way that you design, if you have uh, little hints uh, or little winks from one end to another of your brand system, this is when you know that people understand what you're trying to convey as a brand, and have the ownership to the brand that allows them to actually make it even cooler than you thought it was, right? Uh, and that is what I think brings the depth of a brand to a brand. And that is what I think also makes all the all the all the salt and all the interest of of being into this branding topic because it it's a fractal. It can go in so many directions. If you're able to build a, a, a strong playground for people to operate in and it's well understood and people can feel good about participating in these principles that you've set. I think that's where you're you're onto the right thing, and you're uh, verifying internally that your brand is is also uh, viable, if you will, on the on the outside. Super interesting what you said about the the one liner, one page, or one essay, which is something I, I never heard. Can you remind me again the name of the two workshops you said or frameworks you said you you, you use? Right. So I I mean I have a, I have a lot of fun you exploring. Box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really 
interesting uh, also at the do, at today's time uh, with a lot of remote tools that have been developed uh, due to covid with with a lot of capabilities we've been able to develop with ai or or with other uh, cool buzzwords that i'm not going to use here but we we have an opportunity and we have the luck to 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 be very playful with these tools uh we don't have one typewriter and that's all you get right uh we we can do a lot of different things and so uh maybe on that tooling level again i'm going back and forth uh it's really important i think for someone uh to to just try things out sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't work so well uh but but you're you're staying on the edge of of how you can get to your answers that you're trying to get and uh, so to to maybe say again what i've uh, mentioned there's the mountain of tomorrow which is someone one that i've discovered uh, not so long ago uh and and it's very visual it's a mountain uh, and the top of the mountain is the goal. Uh, the, the other mount is the ultimate goal. You have some milestone. Uh, you have some climbing tooling, uh, which are your tools. And, you know, it's a whole metaphor around how are we going to climb this mountain together? Uh, and I think it's really, uh, I think everyone, most people in a workshop room, they instinctively know where they want to get to. They just need the way to work, to, to, to gather in the input. This is not so easy. Uh, to to be able to say it with confidence, to be able to share information from from one place to another, and to be able to solve uh, maybe disagreements, right? Like some people will want to do one thing or the other. Um, should we have more meetings, less meetings? The typical question. Uh, you need to have a, a way, a method to solve for this again paradox. It doesn't mean that they're irreconcilable. It means that you need to find ways uh, and make a decision to to reconcile these things. And the, these workshop frameworks, I think, are different ways to angle a conversation in order to achieve this. And maybe another framework that, that I think is, is cool is the, um, uh, is the how, uh, wow, and now. And again, it's, it's, it's just a funky marketing word to say Eisenhower, a prioritization matrix, right? Uh, we're just trying here to prioritize. And uh, how is like pretty cool, but pretty hard. Uh, now is pretty easy to do and pretty effective. Um, and uh, wow is like, okay, this is gonna be like really easy to do and like, uh, but also it's gonna be very, very impactful. So it's just a prioritization matrix uh, that doesn't say exactly its name, uh, but the, the, the goal is to, to really, you know, create uh, that space, as I said, of, of confidence and of communication and of uh, essentially problem solving. Super cool. These are two frameworks I didn't know, and I love frameworks. So you sent me about this first part, some do's and don'ts about if you want to build a sustainable brand without greenwashing. Can you explain them a bit to me? Sure. The first one is really to uh, set the stage to capture feedback from your team. Uh, this, this is these workshops. This is these uh, meeting moments. But I think it's also uh, a culture. Uh, of you know letting people challenge you uh it's not so easy always sometimes you just want to go fast and with what you have in mind but it's really important you know to 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 be uh, honestly i will say uh, challenged and not pretend to be challenged but also take in uh some of the challenges that come from your team and i think this creates uh you know an important information channel uh for any manager don't assume that your brand is cool because you think it's cool. Uh, and I think it's it's quite important because uh, I cherish very much the brand of Plan A and what we have managed to to build as a team and the 
uh, the, the these, these aspects that I mentioned, the transparency, the truthfulness, these are things that I'm, that I'm proud of. When you um, say everyone, just to, to make sure here, when yeah. you say everyone, are you talking about the people in your team or are you talking about people? Uh, I, I mean, good question. Uh, you should always have in mind the audience that you're targeting, right? So uh, then you prioritize it. So uh, who are you trying to to be truthful to? Who are you trying to communicate to? Uh, and, you know, uh, essentially, why are you trying to communicate to these people? So that, that that's this very vague everyone. Uh the brand topic is is really high level uh so it concerns most people who are going to come uh, in contact with you at any given point um and i'll give you maybe uh you know an example from everyday life is you if you take a very very global brand uh, but that you don't necessarily use that often and you don't really know what they do uh let's take uh you know a good old german brand siemens um you know who they are. Uh, you can tell uh, what their brand is, uh, kind of more or less. Uh, but are you interacting with it? Do you need to actually interact with it? Not really. Uh, you're in some parts their potential target, uh, but in other parts you're not yet ready to engage. So their game, uh, in terms of making the brand visible, cool, is a little bit different from ours. Maybe they have stakeholders that are customers they want to retain today. Uh, so you know, a general example to say that you need to think about everyone, but also not really. Uh, and so when I say everyone, I really mean, uh, you know, that one liner is for everyone, that deep essay that you've written maybe is, is not for everyone. Maybe it's for the people working specifically on the brand for them to really understand how they're going to be able to utilize it when they design a product for for instance. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe again, to continue on this topic, everyone may also be an other team. Uh, so, you know, you may think in the marketing department that you have made a great job at communicating your values to everyone, but someone in the uh, engineering department has never seen this page uh, that you uh, have talked about because they've joined more recently, for instance. Uh, so you can't assume that everyone gets it because they're part of the company. And you can't assume that everyone gets it because they have liked a post or they follow you, for instance. Um, and not only get it, but also like it. So uh, making sure that you do something that you're really proud of, but that it also kind of resonates, it's an important uh, thing to, to make sure when you're building a brand. Hey, before you jump to the next part of this episode, one quick info. If you don't want to miss the best strategies for entrepreneurs like you, sign up for my newsletter with a link in the description. You will receive a summary of advice from each episode, get personal recommendations based on your startup stage and industry. And you will also receive my most useful growth and LinkedIn marketing strategies. Just follow the link in the description to sign up. Back to the next part of this interview. In marketing and in, in, in business innovation in general, if you want to be successful, you need to be able to tackle the whole funnel and to think at all the different stages, which we're going to talk about in a, in a minute. Let's talk about the second part. How do you integrate branding as part of the whole company and especially the part about you know, how do you include the science as part of the brand? Because this is you know, one of the unique things about Plan A. So uh, I think brand... Um is both a very exposed and very powerful assets uh, for a business. 
And in order for this to, for this value to be preserved and expanded on, the, the team needs to be part of it. And, uh, the, the team is not the marketing team or just the, you know, external facing team. It's, it's everyone in the team because it starts, you know, not at the color scheme, but it starts at the value level. So you know that you have a problem with your business. If any and all team members is not able to name uh, the values or, or, you know, going a little bit farther if the company is a bit uh, maybe smaller, the, the, the mission statement, these core elements of the brand. At the end of the day, the people uh, that we work with, the people that Plan A has hired, they joined for this. You know, they 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 join for the the values that we stand by, uh, the uh, issues that we're solving, the ways in which we uh, try to solve them. So making the the the, the brand shared responsibilities uh, and have everyone understand that they are stewards of this brand by helping them communicate on LinkedIn on the really great news, uh, but by also giving them guidelines on how to do this. Uh, you know, in the way that will uh, empower their message and empower Plan A's brand. And if the uh, alignment is there, it's, it makes it all the more easy for a communications team to, to do this. How do you help them communicate that properly on LinkedIn, for example? Right. So uh, we, we internally have processes uh, that, um, first of all, define... We don't force anyone to use our tone of voice, but we make sure that everyone understands Plan A's tone of voice. Uh, luckily, uh, you know, we, we are able to communicate in a way that is, uh, or that's our goal, right? And we're, I'm going to get to the science part in a second, is to communicate in a way that's understandable and exciting uh, and solutions-driven about climate change. A lot of, uh, of our team members, but also beyond our team members, are looking for this kind of uh, messaging and this kind of way to communicate about climate action. So uh, by giving them posts and giving them visuals and giving them, uh, you know, suggestions on how to communicate, this is already a big step. Uh, this is already a big step because we're trying to overcome the challenge of time. Not everyone has or takes the time to, to use social media or to use other channels for that matter uh, to communicate about what they do. Uh, people have different uh, channels of communication, but we make sure that everyone has got this package for the milestones that we pass, the funding being one. Um, and we, we we encourage people to post and 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 give them this opportunity. So that's the that's the good part. That's the cool part. Then there's another level of uh, uh, maybe a bit more policing uh, that doesn't uh, overstep the boundaries of private channels. Uh, but that does make sure that if a communication is in any way part of Plan A's general communication channels, they follow this time very, very strict guidelines. Uh, I'm talking about a, you know, 1500 words glossary. I'm talking about a full tone of voice document. Uh, I'm talking about a full, uh, you know, uh, information hierarchy and, uh, you know, communication points. Uh, do's and don'ts in the vocabulary, what we use, what we don't use. So this is like very precise. Hexadecimals for every colors, obviously. Uh, so this is how we become an example for all of the people that also want to communicate in a similar way or, or in a fairly aligned way. So these are maybe two ways that we that we make sure that 
everyone feels connected to the brand. Everyone understands what's going on in the brand and everyone has an opportunity to be a part uh, of this brand and to use the shine of the brand for them if they do so desire uh, and if they do so want to uh, communicate similar message. Um, so you can go on, on LinkedIn and uh, look at the employee communications and see that. Uh, and that's really big. That's really exciting for me because it's not just about people posting. It's about the fact that they enjoy posting what we post. And that for me is, is really cool and really interesting. You make people join you for these values. I love what you described here when you said at the end of the day, what you're doing is you're giving a media pack to your employees. That was my guess from what I saw on LinkedIn recently with, you know, following your, your company in the Bomila is that every time you have big milestones and I see sometimes different types of visuals for the same milestones. And this is something that I really encourage everyone listening to this podcast to do if you have employees is if you want to help them, not everybody is a super good communicator and a lot of people want to communicate. But when you're doing PR, this is what you do to journalists. Even to journalists, you'd give them a material, which is the media pack, which uh, they can take and share and or get inspired by. And this is exactly what you're doing with your employees. So you are creating, when you have milestones, creating some visuals and some communication that they can use and share if they want to. So this is something that I find fantastic. What did LinkedIn bring you in terms of results for the company when it comes to people joining you? Because I remember already three years ago, Google Mila saying that, you know, you have 300 or I don't remember his numbers, but a super high amount of applicants for when you were looking for some developers. Mm -hmm. Are you still reaping the, the, the fruits of your hard work on communication on LinkedIn at the moment, the way you were before? Or is it even more now because of what's happening? More, more than ever would be the, the answer today because you get a you get a compounded uh, effect actually uh, when you have a lot of followers on on the the business account on the thought leadership uh, piece uh, on the co-founder uh, um, numbers of followers but also on the employee numbers. So the more um, the more voices you you have, the more effects or the more visibility you're going to be able to generate. The more time you spend working on this, the more each of these voices will have also specialized followers. Uh, if we go back to you know the, the specialists uh, becoming thought leaders on their on their specialty, uh, the the more results you're you're actually going to get. So by results we mean uh, you know applications all sorts of opportunity uh you know uh, of people that want to work for plan a with plan a partnering with plan a uh, that want to join the team that want to also uh you know do uh, business with us that want to do carbon accounting uh so you know there's there's all of these there's all this rich tapestry living on on linkedin and uh that organic chapter that we're describing plays a, a, a very large role. And, and I would just go back to your first point with the media pack to the team, because I think we're not you know, reinventing the wheel by doing this. Um, where I think we managed to, to, to get some success is that people use it. And I know uh, for a fact that the challenge of a lot of the, the, the brand teams and the marketers out there is to get people to do it. And it's important to understand here what challenges you need to help your team members overcome to post. You, you mentioned the shyness. So, you know, I'm not legitimate to communicate. Uh, there's already a lot of voices. I've never done this before. Uh, so there's this first 
uh, hope to, to, to pass, uh, if you will, for an individual to start posting, get started on posting. Uh, and then there's also the, the, the other factors. There's the time factor uh, that I alluded to earlier, which uh, when you talk to someone uh, who's, uh, you know, anyone, a sales executive, a product manager, an engineer, uh, th th their focus in their job is not to keep an eye on LinkedIn or to have it open on a tab and to see uh, who's talking about you and, and, and how. Their job is to do something else. And so uh, in order to overcome this, you need to also enable them to do that quickly. And by giving them back to the brand, the safety that what they're going to communicate is not going to be wrong uh, or is not going to be criticized or is not or is part of a greater, uh, you know, uh, herd protection type situation, uh, then you're also overcoming this, 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 these different factors. So making sure that people use the, use the package and making sure that you're solving for the right challenges that prevent people from using the package is really important. And giving people the will and the motivation to use your brand because they believe in it. And, and I think at the bottom of the answer of this question is, if you work for a company that you don't really believe in or you don't really uh, dig the mission, well, why would you post that to your uh, followers and to the people that you have made connections to? You wouldn't really do that. Uh, if it's bang on on your area of expertise or on what you want to discuss or on the things you want to change in society or in the world or in the economy or in your business, uh, then it becomes really interesting and it becomes a really valuable channel to explore and find all of these innovations and open up conversation with people that are innovating in your space. If this podcast helps you, please do me a huge favor and click on the follow button on your podcast platform. It helps to grow this podcast faster and to convince the most impactful entrepreneurs of the world to join me in these interviews so that you and other entrepreneurs can learn from them. Thank you for, for sharing that part. I had cut you when you were wanted to discuss the science part. So uh, right. how do you integrate science as part of the brand at Planet? So science is, um, has always been, since the very beginning of Plan A, uh, uh, the, the, the fuel, if you will, of the way that we understand our role within the climate change. Respecting the, the, the principles, even when it's not that convenient, uh, and surrounding yourself with, with people that speak this language and that are able to uh, verbalize the issues in ways that are maybe too complex for a greater audience, but that are, that is very thorough. It's the essay part is very important to understand how far you need to go and what you need to do and what actions you need to take in order to, uh, become efficient. If you look at the results of impact projects at large, um, the statistics I think is, is 85%, uh, and you know, we can debate for a long time how this is measured, 85% of, of failed projects, projects that don't get to the end of the project or projects that don't have the expected impact that, that was defined at the beginning of the project. And, and I think this is really important uh, to understand when you are trying to have an impact is that there is a very high probability that uh, you're headed for failure. So how do you make sure that you reduce the risk for failure? Uh, and it's really by working at the basis of your, of your thinking process and 
what are the, the, the deeper reasons of why you're working on a topic? What are the principles that you want to follow when it comes to defining the means? And what is the end that you're trying to get to? So all of this, we use the principles of uh, another methodology, theory of change, uh, which allows you to make as clear as possible from the get-go, what is the diagnosis of the problem you're defining? What is the ideal state you want to get to? And what are the actions you're going to take to actually do this? And this sounds like a very basic thing to do, but it has to be grounded in science in our case, because if you are not going to respect the hard uh, and its physics truth and geological truth is of the, the planetary boundaries or the things that are limiting the problem you're trying, scoping the problem you're trying to do, uh, then your the chances of you not focusing on the right things are becoming a lot higher. So that's for the why we need science in the way that we com in communicate, but also, you know, uh, not just communicate, but act and, and decide on what are the specific activities we're doing for decarbonization. And the way th that we do this, uh, as I said, is by surrounding ourselves with, with these people. We are the translators. We're the mouthpiece, if you will, of uh, part of this community. Uh, we have a scientific board, for instance, on the very practical ways of how do you surround yourself with scientists. Uh, we have a scientific board that has some of the uh, best institutions or represented for some of the best institutions for climate science uh, and for climate, uh, you know, understanding what is going on and what are the different solutions towards this. So that's one very practical to the bone. How do you uh, integrate science? But now to the communications bit, because the, you know, the, the, the million dollar question is how do you translate, right? The, the, the scientific issues, uh, well, by getting them involved in the messaging and, uh, by finding innovative ways to define, uh, arena again, that will allow for this deeper conversation. I'm a very big believer that in order to understand something as complex as decarbonization, you, you do need to take the time to uh, understand it, read about it, have discussions with people that are experts. And by providing the space for this conversation to happen, uh, that can be white papers that we've created, uh, that can be uh, ask me anything to a scientist, uh, events that we have organized uh, in the past. This can be in defining a glossary. You can go on our website with a big list of definitions uh, of what are the words we use, why we use them and what they exactly mean. Uh, so that creates as many arenas for the public that everyone uh, to understand in depth if they want to the situation or at a glance what the idea of the situation in truth is. Um, I can discuss this a little bit more. And that will allow you to become a, um, smart uh, commentator and smart diagnose uh, giver of what is going on and ground the solutions you're designing into this very precise problem setting as said by science. So I hope that was uh, <laughs> clear-ish, uh, but it's a, it's a very, very pivotal topic for companies to understand and to understand why why this kind of scientific aspect is, is important, it's not just because these people have PhDs, um, and, and how this can happen, because it is not so easy from an operational point of view, 
to 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 convince uh, these communities and the business community to also communicate and to work together on more solutions. You mentioned the scientific board. What's its role exactly, and how does it interact? At which step does it interact? I'd like to understand the role and how it interacts with different part of your company or your product. So the the scientific board uh, is um, an organ that we have created a couple of years ago now. That, as I said, includes uh, members from the scientific, but also uh, the business community and the decarbonization community. Uh, to give us support on defining and staying at the edge of defining the problem and designing for the right solutions that will be in line with, as I said, the, the, the physics, uh, the physics parts uh, of the reality of the problem we are facing. Uh, so. Uh, these are the, the the big missions, if you will, uh, of this uh, of this board, and this is why we uh, felt the need to interact with the community and to feel the need to formalize also an arena for us to discuss these topics. Uh, the the way that they help us is uh, on the company wide level, on a team wide level, and on an and on an individual pardon me, level. The the company wide level is uh, the board coming. Uh, to the to the team, we do an on-site, and we have different workshops that we want to discuss with these different expertise that we have sitting uh, around the table at this board. We discussed last time uh, what is the relationship, for instance, between carbon and uh, money. What, how how are these two notions related uh, in the context of uh, conducting a company in the context of decarbonizing? Uh, your company, what does that actually mean? So that's one of the different subjects that we've covered. I'm not going to go through all of them. On the on the team specific level, uh, this is feedback loops. So these, uh, of, of course, they're quite busy, but uh, we get a chance to interact with them and to uh, soundboard a lot of our ideas, uh, be that on the strategic level or on maybe a bit more operational levels. Uh, the sustainability plan of plan A being a, a prime example of how this could, uh, of how this expresses itself, uh, where we uh, work with our own expertise, we make our plans, and we involve uh, some of these board members to uh, participate as much as they can uh, into the conversation, to the feedback, and participate also to the peer review that we do on these documents. So once we have, uh, once we feel that we have created something that is. Uh, on par with the level of science that we want. We have also borrowed this concept of peer reviewing uh, for, from this community, from the academia community, to make sure that we have external elements of uh, feedback, of inputs, uh, that will help us refine also uh, the, the, way that we, the way that we write and what we write about and uh, how do we get the most precise solution statements so that we avoid as much as possible failure. And then the final point is on the individual level, uh, where uh, we have uh, an absolute will within this company to build people that will lead, uh, as I said, their areas of specialty. Uh, I gave the example of, of one of our uh, engineer principals, uh, Karsten Windler, who is uh, speaking on uh, conferences on, on green IT, on green coding. That's one example. Uh, I'm speaking to you now on the topic of sustainable con sustainable communications. Uh, so having the um, possibility for these people to also 
uh, ask on an individual level uh, and stay up to date on an individual level with these people that are, uh, you know, sometimes grappling with uh, some of the most advanced research on, on these specific topics. Uh, this is also something that uh, they have committed uh, to and that they help us uh, do and help us uh, train on. There's so much more we're going to be uh, doing uh, and there's a lot of opportunity for us to to do a lot more, but I hope that gives an overview. Yes. So from what I understand is like, these are not full-time employees at Plan A. Uh, the board members, uh, the scientific advisory board members uh, are external uh, people. So they, they are um, uh, individuals that work uh, at high level in institutions, as I said, that are either to do with the economic world or the climate science world. And they uh, help us shape and uh, defined uh, from an external perspective and from there, from where they sit, uh, help us shape and define uh, how Plan A does what and in order to solve which question. So this is the, the, the kind of most general way that they contribute. Uh, and it's an extremely valuable asset for us to have when we design the product, when we design marketing campaign, communications campaign, uh, or when we uh, take a step back and think about uh, how do we understand climate change, climate action, decarbonization? What are the do's and don'ts you have on these on this topic? I think one of the do is have an enormous amount of patience uh, when you are editing your content. Uh, the The levels of precisions that you need to get to to make sure that you are at a high uh, scientific standard is more than the average, if you will, proofreading or average editing. It has to do with unit systems. It has to do with the precisions of words you use. It has to do with making uh, so many aspects of the way you describe problems and solutions very, very precise. And as a marketer, you also need to make space uh, for the the goals of the way that you create copy, right? Uh, be that generate uh, interest for a certain topic or bring clarity on another. Uh, you also have your uh, your uh, your desired outcomes as a as a copywriter as a content creator. So having this back and forth uh, between you know someone that will have a very very sharp eye for these scientific details and someone that will have a, a, a sharp eye for SEO, for instance, uh, this is really important. And it's really important to have a, a system in the company who, who will be the final kind of, who needs to sign off on this copy. And ideally it's two people uh, that can, you know, just agree on the fact that it holds a certain standard and that it serves a certain purpose. And um, that, you know, again, the team members from different teams can both get behind the statement. So that's quite a, that's quite an important do uh, in my view. In terms of don'ts, it becomes uh, repetitive sometimes. Uh, a company grows. There's more and more people that join. You have documentation. The documentation becomes more and more fluffy. Uh, so some people don't have uh, the awareness necessarily that uh, this is the way that you need to use the brand or this is the sign-off you need to get or uh, that's, that, you know, that 
this is uh, where the logo should go uh, and this is this color that you should use. Of course, some of these things will be set by templates uh, and, and other systems, uh, but some others will, will not be. The way that I see, again, brand is to be a playground rather than, you know, a very specific thing to achieve. So um, it's more about respecting codes within a certain area of, of work uh, rather than just applying stupidly a hexa. So if you don't do this well, uh, and if you assume bad intent, for instance, or if you if you police it very negatively, you can become a turnoff for your own brand and for your own work. And uh, someone that was very originally motivated to uh, respect the science uh, now all of a sudden doesn't want to respect the science, or you know, uh, not doesn't want to respect the science, but doesn't want to take the time because they know that you're going to be uh, doing it in their stead and without telling them and in a way that's not constructive. So you need to be the facilitator again for the way that you are going to uh, communicate your brand. And you, to some extent, have to be aware of your internal stakeholders and the way that you are going to market that system to them. And if you're able to show very clear benefits from this, look at how the platform is now perfectly unified by respecting these codes, then you're creating value for the stakeholders to actually follow this. And they see why you're trying to do this. And they see why you're adding this subscript to or asking them to do exactly uh, down to this level of precision uh, changes to, to their work. So uh, it's a delicate uh, balance. Uh, of, of of policing and making it desirable, uh, and doing it in a in a smart smart way and a way that is also very thorough. How do you police that positively? My feeling, my guess here, as you mentioned, it it's about explaining the why and then showing the how and then letting the others correct it. I remember one of the like best mentors I had during my PhDs. My PhD was exactly doing that, showing me when I was giving him a text saying, "Hey." If you write that like that, it doesn't work because of this. Here is a way you could do it, for example, and then it would let me go back and then uh, come back with, you know, like an iteration based on what he said. Is that what you mean here by the way you're proceeding? Yeah, to some extent. Um, I, I will describe it the way, the way that I understand it, but it's quite similar, I feel. The, the first thing, if you're going to expect someone to apply uh, code of conduct or anything uh, of that regard, the first thing that you have as a responsibility as the organization setting it is information. So you have to have as part of your onboarding, as part of the first communications that you have with the new team members uh, or existing team members, if you're introducing a new framework, is that making it very clear. The information is there. These are the things that are the most important. Here's an info session. You can watch a video we've recorded and it's in the dedicated Slack channel for everyone to see and be informed. That's the really first step, right? That's hygiene. The, that's the easy part in a way. The, sec the, the harder bit is what comes after is how do you enforce the system? And that's your question. How do you... Uh, not become this, you know, stickler that is uh, just reviewing on the copy. Well, there's two things that I think are quite important. Uh, one is to have uh, relays. Uh, it's not just one person that is the sheriff in town of this thing. It, it's impossible. Uh, it's impossible for uh, that person to not become crazy and lose all their uh, friends at work. 
but it's also not functional in terms of uh, growth and scaling. Uh, so you need to have people that really understands, as you say, the why and the how, uh, and that are distributed in the places that are going to to, to be exposed to these kinds of, of risks. So uh, within the product team, uh, we have worked uh, closely with product manager in order to discuss the way that copy would be written to face clients. And this is, uh, you know, a, a discussion because there's different goals for this copy. It needs to be very UI friendly, but also scientific. Uh, you know, it, it has to play a few different, uh, has to have a few at different attributes. So making sure that, and that's just one example with products, that you have different team members that are, uh, that are on your, your same kind of level of, uh, I need to make this in the right square and I need to make sure that it's uh, written in the British English, for instance, these kinds of things. You need, you need people to be, uh, to, to, to act as a team for that, for sure. Um, the, the, the other part of, uh, of this enforcement is you need to protect the people that make the mistake and the people that enforce uh, the, the mistake by a process. So uh, a simple thing that I created and I thought was quite successful is to create a template for that callouts, uh, quote unquote callouts. And if you're able to write something that is not passive aggressive, that people can actually use uh, and that people know that it's not their words, but it's someone else's words, is, is the, it's that brand guy's words. Uh, then they feel a lot more comfortable kind of be, enforcing this because they don't take the risk of, uh, you know, uh, being the sticklers or being the only, the annoying people, even if they are feeling super annoyed, right? Uh, so you're avoiding two things. You're avoiding uh, the fact that it's only one person every time writing a, a message and losing their patience. And, and you're avoiding that uh, the people that actually want to do something good, which is to enforce the brand, are... Uh, exposed, if you will, uh, by this uh, by these things that can be perceived negativity. So transforming that negativity into something actually a little bit fun. Uh, I, I don't know if you have heard of this system, but in order to enforce security and that people close their laptops, if you see that someone has an open laptop, you can write donut on it and they have to get donuts for people because they breach the security. Uh, you know, stupid. Uh, but also efficient uh, because, you know, people then remember this kind of thing. It, it's not, uh, you know, <laughs> a bad, uh, terrible uh, thing that's happening to you. But at the same time, it keeps people, uh, you know, uh, in line and, and they remember that when they have to do it once once or twice. So, so I think it's about kind of innovating on this uh, fun law enforcement and not really taking it too seriously, but at the same time, giving the tools of the people to say, behind this nice way to say it you need to to remember to to do these things i like the donut uh example let's talk about the third part of this interview which is let's go through the different like the funnel of acquisition you know awareness acquisition activation revenue and retention and let's explore how you actually include that brand as part uh, let's start with you know awareness which is you know making people aware of your brand how do you apply branding principle guidelines which are discussed in this part you know if we go back to the basis of the conversation is why do you even need a brand and why do you need it to be sustainable and scientific and, and how do you actually achieve uh to to give your brand these attributes 
it's really important for, I think, a, in general, a marketing department to to make these intents very clear and to to make the, the the derived benefit for each team very clear and very very spelled out in your project plan. For uh, a commercial uh, side, it's uh, it, it can be divided in this funnel, and starting with awareness, um, I think it's really about creating your first feeling. They say that opening the door is 50% of the work. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure uh, sales executives agree with this, but I think it is definitely a, a big a big part of the uh, of the goal that you're trying to achieve as a marketing team is to, to be in the radar uh, of the relevant stakeholders that you have. Um, and making this visible at the awareness level has a very uh, satisfactory feeling, I would say. Uh, and And has a very empowering effect on not just the marketing team, but the company as a whole. So how many people have seen your brand? It's a really interesting uh, and a really hard metrics to actually get to. Uh, if you work like we do uh, on, on, on PR, on press relations, uh, you, you have systems to estimate the amount of people that have viewed uh, this or, or, or that mention. You have also LinkedIn that we have discussed that has a lot of information. You have your website metrics, and uh, if you sum up, uh, if you sum all of these uh, all of these awareness metrics up, you you can get to really in interesting and impressive numbers quite quickly. Uh, and I see that as a fuel uh, to 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 making the the whole marketing machine grow. In terms of how uh, it brings value, there's also the concept that. Uh, the numbers game has to be played in marketing. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very much in favor of qualitative approach when it comes to content creation, for example. But there is a, a calculation in there. There is a multiplication effect uh, or a divider effect, if you will, of how many people over the total people that have seen your brand are going to be uh, a uh, commercially interesting lead for you. And that is what you need to make very aware uh, your other teams and your marketing team is that you are basically with awareness setting up a very large funnel. And the risk with that is that you have a lot of people that are not so relevant to you. And the brand is actually the filter or the gate for people to understand if it's their funnel or if it's an interesting funnel for them or not. And so on that, uh, if you use these words that are very familiar to commercial, and, and if you explain it this way, I feel that it becomes very clear that your, your brand is both a, a, a catcher uh, of, of interest and, and, and a filter for you to not have to uh, spell out that you are a carbon accounting company, that you focus on decarbonization, that you follow science, uh, and that you have a product and other aspects of your brand that you want to make clear as a stakeholder goes down into the funnel. How do you do that on your, like, let's say, on the acquisition part, you say when the brand works as a filter, how do you do that effectively at plan A? Uh, like, do you have a few examples of how you apply that on your website to to talk about this, like brand values, like secure safety or science? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you go on our website, uh, you, you'll see that it's, uh, it, it's divided. The menu is pretty simple. The, the menu is uh, how do we uh, understand ourselves? How do we understand the, the different problems to be solved? How we solve them? 
and how can you learn about all of this? Uh, so the uh, you remember uh, the details, uh, the little details that that make a brand a killer brand. Um, this is the lowest level of of uh, brand hints, and if your brand is solid, everything bring going up all the way to your website structure is coherent with that brand. And so um, when it comes to 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 acquisition, so. Uh, Let's call it also the what some marketers call the consideration stage. You're you're now not trying to be uh, on a radar. You're trying to be comparatively more to the center of the radar of of, of other competitors. So the the goal of that wherever this happens, the channel wherever this happens, and the copy and the content that you put forward at this moment. Uh, has a different goal uh, than the awareness goal. And that is where, for example, giving this example of the nav bar, uh, you can make uh, more intense clearer. And uh, for example, in this in the case of um, of science, you, you can go, there's a page that talks about planning sustainability. There's a, the glossary that I mentioned. There is the academy that I mentioned. There are white papers, there's policy notes, uh, and this is in your face. You cannot really miss it if you're browsing the website. And that is just a way to live, if you will, the brand. And not we're not trying to display science because it's part of our brand. We're actually doing science stuff because, you know, the brand flows from these activities. It's not the other way around. Um, so here, uh, how do you make sure that your brand is uh, uh, relevant to, the, to this stage uh, is by making these brand attributes very, very clear. Uh, are, are you, you know, uh, are you a dy dynamic, modern, product-led brand, or are you uh, a lot more on traditional ways of working? There's many different ways that you can define this, uh, but that is where your brand starts to uh, work on a positioning of where you're standing and not in a vacuum. Um, and that is where you you have to think very carefully as a marketer how. What are you going to put forward uh, as as part of your brand? If I take a metaphor of a human, uh, you can only wear one sweater. Which one is it going to be? You know, like or, or you know, people put messages on T-shirts. You can only wear one T-shirt today. So what is your T-shirt? You know, that's your one-liner. Uh, when it comes to your website, well, you're kind of showing the wardrobe. So do you have three T-shirts? What are your three T-shirts you want to focus on? You know. And you don't have more than that. And it's really important to not have more than that because then you get uh, confusing and people don't know uh, what is your brand, what is your style for this uh, kind of uh, poetic metaphor here. So you should be answering questions, yeah, at this stage with your brand. I think the very good thing about that is, let's take an example. Like I like the fact that the filtering is is working here to attract and convert the people who will actually be resonating with the the, let's say, the the hints you give them there. So your, your academy, the science path, the white paper, when you make that in their face, when they arrive, they will understand, okay, plan A is actually, you know, if I want to greenwash, if I want to actually, you know, find a, there are thousands of companies now, you know, offering now decarbonization. And, and if I just want an easy way to do something, just to get some numbers to share and to basically, you know, greenwash, that's <laughs> the definition, plan A is not probably going to be for me. So, so I think that's 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 a great way to 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 proceed. And I think you use a great example with the the, the greenwashing. Um, for instance, Plan A stands 
on that scientific uh, piece, on the data-driven piece. These are uh, very important aspects of our brand um, that lead us to uh, the attribute of decarbonization-first product. So the, the 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 work that we do, the focus that we have, is on eliminating and avoiding emissions rather than compensating them. This has a lot of scientific implication, a lot of methodological implications, but we make that clear at this stage, you know? So when you get uh, on the, well, at every stage, but when you are someone that needs carbon accounting or that needs to do decarbonization, that is when you're going to need to know what are the different variables that differentiate one provider from another. And that is where, as you say, we we, we make it pretty clear that if you uh, you know, want to base yourself purely on qualitative feedback or anecdotal in, in intelligence, this is probably not the right company for you. Or if, if you want to uh, purely buy offsets and, and, you know, jump on the label that is designed by an organization, this is probably not the right place for you. Uh, however, uh, if, if you have this specific need and it's as details in you know the jobs to be done on our website. If you need help with data collection cleanup, if you need with uh, help with strategy planning on your decarbonization, if you need to productize uh, your reporting, that's that's where we can probably serve you. And it, I want to make sure that it's not a question only of uh, morals. Uh, you know, of course, there is a moral element to uh, everything that we do in this space, and. Of course, we are against voluntary greenwashing. There's another risk, which is involuntary greenwashing. And you want to be really accurate on this. And you want to make sure, again, going back on the explaining the why, why it makes sense to not do it. You know, it, it's not just because it's a bad thing to do, it's because it's a dumb thing to do. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to do it, you know? And there are of involuntary greenwashing. Well, I mean, um, there are they they go by the hundreds because um, I'll give you an example. When you do a carbon accounting report, uh, you have a few data points. You need at the best to get activity data. So these are the amounts of kilowatts that you have spent, uh, the amounts of kilometers, physical data on your activities. That allows you to get to the most precise estimates of your carbon emissions. Uh, second best is the so-called spend-based methods where you look at your, your invoices and your bills. And if you don't have that, you can also use national averages. So this is your business of your size in that space, on average, will travel X amounts of kilometers by train. And you use this. This is an imprecise number. And the, the, the problem, if you will, is not that these people got started and don't have the data yet. They're working on it. The problem is that they're going to make a post saying like, we've done a report. We are very, very happy about this report. And, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're done until next year. Uh, because that's how they understand sustainability within their space. And, and they need training and expertise and know-how to transform this, uh, one-time reporting approach, which, you know, qualifies as, uh, greenwashing if your message is really overly positive um, and, and instead move towards integrating as part of the core elements of who they are what the actions of decarbonization would be. So it, it's it's a complicated way of saying again the same thing that we started with which is 
your brand is only the byproduct at the end, uh, the refined byproducts of what you do and who you are. And if you don't do uh, what you uh, want to put in your brand, then you have a fundamental incoherence that will sooner or later be seen and that will sooner or later be illegal as uh, the EU just passed a law against uh, wrongful climate neutrality claims. So either you get with the program or someone's going to get you uh, in this program uh, kicking and screaming. And where we need to do some work and where we, I think there's a, a big need for, uh, for, for support for businesses is to uh, conduct this journey in the most uh, truthful and effective way. And that is where our uh, red line on the data, uh, you know, backing yourself with data, that is why the scientific, you back yourself on, on physical realities of, of the world. And that is why my point on coherence and the brand intern, core, team, and then external take all their meaning because th those are the, the, the building blocks that will make it all, all that easier for you to define your nav bar or define your uh, colors through a workshop or, or your uh, all the other aspects of the brands that you want to uh, to define and that will then in turn influence back all of the other teams. To talk about the next steps, can you explain a bit about how what's your process actually at Plan A? So to talk about how you are actually now, we talked about awareness, acquisition, the website, people discover your brand, people come on your website. What are the next steps to until they become clients of, of, of Plan A? And how do you integrate your brand and, and KPIs there? Right. So um, in terms of KPI, uh, I, I think the, the, the brand, when it goes past the stages of sales, uh, has a very integrated uh, meaning with uh, churn when you talk about commercial and uh, customer satisfaction, if you talk uh, about it from a customer's perspective. And where uh, the brand needs to, to or the perception of the brand uh, from from people that are now clients and that you are trying to to upsell and still convince and uh, manage to maintain on the platform, this this audience should really get deeper and deeper and deeper in the brand, and be more and more and more convinced uh, by these basic building blocks that we have. And if I um, uh, do qualitative interviews with uh, users, for example, when I'm trying to get some more information on the perception uh, of our of our brand and the perception of our um, product and services, I need to be clear on how much of that brand is understood, what is it understood to be, and do these people feel that this is a, a glue to them? Uh, do, do they feel that they are also behind this? And that is really important, especially in sustainability part of the, of the activity. Um, if my brand is is focused on being accurate and precise and scientific, and the person that uh, bought the the software has a need to be scientific and precise and data driven, they need to understand at each step that they take that this commitment that we have and that they understood to be brand, uh, you know, in the profane way to say it, uh, but that it's actually something that defines the way we've built the product or something that defines the way we've organized the navigation or something that we've used to define um, the different services and the features that we provide over uh, other features that we uh, want to develop in the future. I feel that this reinforces their experience with Plan A 
and it makes them even more than they were before uh, sticking to us to be their uh, pilot fish in this climate change uh, navigation and in this decarbonization navigation. Um, so I hope that was so, so, somewhat clear, but uh, maybe one takeaway that I want to uh, emphasize on as well is that the, 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 the journey, the funnel, the brand, it doesn't stop at the conversion. And that would be a very big mistake to actually take it from the external all the way to the inside. But it's our other starts from the very, very inside, your team, then to your clients, then to your prospects, and then to the people that need to hear about you that you don't know yet. Uh, and it's not, the, it's not the other way around. So I think it's an important aspect of branding, uh, the exercise of creating a brand to consider. In terms of uh, user interviews, you mentioned, so you do these user interviews. How often do you do them? Oh. as often as i can uh <laughs> really so uh we we have good processes in place uh that allow us to uh chat uh with um or, or request or ask for conversation with with clients at the end of the day we have a lot of conversation with clients uh because they have a lot of uh, different needs we have interaction we we have a wonderful customer success team that manages uh these uh these uh these journeys towards sustainability so we do get a, a, a very dynamic uh feedback loop we do organize on a monthly basis conversations where different team members can actually ask questions to customers uh, and those questions get consolidated and then we have people professional interview conductor or people that are trained in conducting these user interviews um, to to make the also experience pleasant for the person who is kindly giving us some of this time, some of their time. And this is another, I think, piece of the reason why Plan A is doing so well, uh, because I believe that for me, growth is about it's not only about marketing; it's about improving the product. And you can't improve a product if you don't con like conduct these interviews. Here, talking about brand, but I'm sure you're learning a lot about the product itself by do doing that. And, and this is something very difficult to do for a lot of companies or people, but this is very, like, it's, it's key for me for, to build a successful brand and, and, and product in that case. It's also a testament to um, working to develop uh, channels, a network. So it, it's, it, we, over time, it's, it's really great to be able to tap into networks of, of experts um, where they are also happy, not necessarily your, your, your clients. Uh, they provide different types of, of inputs, but you also need to, I think, tap into external inputs to understand if you are on the right track, if you uh, are making sense to someone that has never really tackled this or that topic, if you are achieving the goals that you're trying to achieve. And uh, I, I, you probably have heard of it is, uh, you know, your, your, your mom always is happy <laughs> about what you do. She's so proud of what you're doing. Uh, so don't ask that person, just ask someone that, you know, maybe you don't know as well, or maybe you have, uh, a more conversational, uh, you know, le level of interaction or that you respect the input of, you have a mentor maybe, or these are the people that I also very much enjoy speaking with. And that my experience over time uh, working with Plan A and previous experiences has given me access to. And I feel that having this access 
uh, is only possible with interacting, with testing, with trying, with with being out there, you know, very simply, uh, and and making your purpose pretty clear. Uh, and it's it's great you were asking about what are the different uh, benefits we can get from LinkedIn, and this is one, you know. And there are there's a lot of people just messaging you to sell you services, uh, or, or or you know different goals uh, but there are also people that are very valuable to know and even this salesperson you know i've i've had fun multiple times with people sending me sales linkedin sales emails and i share them back with my sales team sometimes because i think you know some of them are good some of them are not so good uh some of them are fun and uh this is you know a, a way for me to to capture some content and some conversation as i said um that that fuel fuel my fuel my thinking natal we've been here already for a long time and i think we could keep on going for a long time with our conversation because it's really like something that i'm passionate about and that you are passionate about obviously and and super uh, knowledgeable about do you have something else you want to add in terms of like uh, do's and don'ts or advice on the on this last part so i i hope um you know we we went through most of the funnel uh not not all of it, but maybe if there's one takeaway from this is create a brand that again explicitly helps the work of the other uh, teams in your work. So it plays its own role as we've discussed uh, today. Sales should feel super comfortable with using elements of the brand. Uh, the product should feel super comfortable using the guidelines you have defined uh, for language or for other aspects of the of the product. The CEO of your company should understand inside out what the values are and be able to, uh, at any meeting with anyone and any public intervention, be able to state them very clearly and in a way that is very understandable. So making sure that your brand is, is, is you know, a, a great coherent, inner towards outer uh, um, construct and that it's understood to be a useful asset to all of the team members and all of the teams of your company. This, I think, is what will fuel the success uh, and the usefulness of the brand that you define. And Lugomila is doing a great job with that. Again, for those who have listened to the first episode with Lugomila, back to the, the questions outside of these topics. Uh, what is one book or one podcast, one influencer that you would recommend people to read or to follow? Um, so I have been listening to, uh, it's pretty famous, I believe, uh, but I really enjoy it, to Lex Friedman's podcast. Uh, so these are, are very long conversations um, that's, uh, with very, very smart people uh, that, that brush on, on many different themes. Uh, and I really appreciate this way of triggering my interest and, and making connections between things that are not necessarily as uh, connected amongst one another. So this is one big recommendations and I cannot stress enough how much I've learned uh, not necessarily on marketing but also in marketing uh, with uh, Arte's YouTube channels and I think everyone should uh, take a look at how they transmit knowledge how they make knowledge digestible uh, how they make it also uh, in uh, you know it's a German French 
TV channel uh, and they are a bridge between our, our two cultures. So something that I think is, is, is also a very important mission and that they achieve very well. Uh, and in the way that they organize, um, yeah, their, their knowledge bank and their knowledge factory because it is what it is. So these two recommendations, I think, um, are interesting to follow, albeit famous ones. Can you tell us one thing about you that I wouldn't be able to find online? Uh, that you wouldn't be able to find online? Uh, I play the saxophone. Uh, I, you might be able to find a YouTube video that, uh, with, a, with a few views, but you might not. I'm not so sure. I haven't gone and checked. Uh, but I, I love music. I'm a musician. And um, music and uh, communication, music and brand is, uh, is really something that I'm passionate about as well. Do you still have the, the playlist on Spotify? Because I remember Lobo Milan. I do. We do. We do. We do. Yes, uh, we do. So for, for the people listening, uh, you can go on Spotify and look for Planet Earth in one uh, and you will find a playlist for the planet, which is a, a project that we have been uh, building over the over the years to provide the, the best, uh, the best music, the best selections of of playlists uh, while you are saving the world. What is your ask for uh the people listening to you here so uh like what, one question i have is about the product itself from which company size can people start you know uh, working with plan a to decarbonize their the, the, the business and uh, and then like what is your ask you know who where, where can they find you how do they contact you right so there is no smallest size uh to start using planning uh, i can only encourage uh the The, the solopreneurs, but also the uh, individuals building up companies that are growing to start their sustainability journey early. Um, not necessarily by becoming clients of Plan A, uh, but by starting to understand uh, the, the, the status quo, understand what is the role of businesses in this overall transformation we're trying to achieve, we need to achieve, and what is the um, really benefits that your activity can derive from becoming more sustainable. I uh, firmly believe in the business case for sustainability and in the case, uh, the social case for sustainability. I believe that sustainability brings a lot of value, uh, be that economic value or, or social well-being value to our societies and to our organizations and to ourselves as individuals. So that's my ask is, is really, you know, get involved with, Uh, sustainability, whatever your level also of seniority might be, because it can take you to uh, places that you didn't necessarily imagine you would be taken to using this pathway. And it's a, it's, it's a pathway that, that derives a lot of, of positive things on all of these levels. So that's, that's what I would uh, ask uh, of people. And uh, you can hopefully, if we're doing our job well, find Plan A pretty easily. Uh, be that uh, through our websites, in Spotify, uh, or on LinkedIn. And we have also newsletters that you can follow. We try to communicate a lot on this education part, on the um, making sure that we define a decarbonization pathway for the economy in the most efficient way, in, in, this, in, in a way that will avoid uh, negative uh, side effects, byproducts of what we're doing. And that will also take us there 
uh, in a timely manner, because maybe that's the last word, uh, we don't have time to solve uh, the climate crisis. So we need to get uh, to get uh, to this milestone sooner rather than later. And uh, we need to do that together, not just one company. And to use your tagline, there is no plan B. There is no plan B for our planet. Um, thank you very much, Nathan, for, 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 for your time today and your like, super insightful advice today. I wish you a great day and uh, all the best with Plan A. And I'm sure we'll, we'll talk again soon, offline or online. Thank you so much for having me uh, on this wonderful podcast. Uh, I'm looking forward uh, to listening to the new season and uh, see you very, very soon. Hey, if today's episode was useful, share it with your entrepreneur's friends so that we can all have a bigger impact on this planet and give it a five star on Apple Podcasts. That will make my day. Thanks so much in advance. Have a nice day.